Well, Happy New Year again. First Sunday of 2019. I am I'm very proud of myself. I had have managed, um, I had to write the date, I think maybe three times so far, and every time I nailed it. I didn't have to cross it out. So that was my New Year's resolution. And so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call 2019 a win. <laughs> Gotta set the cookies on the low shelf sometimes. So. So I want to ask you guys a question this morning. Um, I, I want to know if you, if I'm going to say a name and I want to know who recognizes this name, okay? The name is Marie Kondo. Who knows, who knows who that is? Raise your hand if you know who I'm talking about. Okay, there's a couple of hands. A couple of people know who that is. Um, if you know who she is, raise your hand if you actually read her book. No, okay. Okay, so her book was called... The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing. Okay, yes, and so now that I say the name of the book, it, it sparks some recognition in some of you. Uh, the book came out in uh, 2015, and it was kind of a sensation, and so a lot of people were talking about it. You know, she was on all the talk shows, and like I saw it all over my Facebook feed and all this stuff. Um, I didn't realize until last night we were, we were watching something on Netflix and I saw it in like my suggestions. She's got a show on Netflix, so maybe I'll, I'll check that out. Maybe you want to do that too. Um, but full disclosure, I, I did not read her book. I, I did not read it. But because so many people were talking about it and because it was, it was so like in the forefront of pop culture, I think I get like a little bit of the gist and, and I'm sure there's so much more to it, and this is a total oversimplification, but, but one, of, one of the things, the book is about like decluttering your house and like your stuff and setting up your space so that it's, it's a good environment for you to live in. And, and the basic technique that she suggested you use when you're, when you're organizing and you're decluttering is that you would, you would take each item that you own and you would hold it in your hand, you know, I mean, unless it's like your sofa or something, you may have to leave that on the floor. But like, you would, you would look at the thing that you own, this material item, and you would ask yourself the question, does this give me joy? Is this item something that sparks joy inside of myself? And if the answer is no, then you can let go of that item. You can, let, you can let go of it. You give it away, sell it, toss it, whatever it is that you do, you know, whatever. But only keep items that inspire you in some way or that are, are, are useful. And that way, not only is your living environment more simple, more organized, but it's, it, there's a spiritual component to it as well. Now, of course, we humans are a, a cynical and sarcastic bunch, and so right around the same time that the book came out, we saw uh, some Facebook memes like this. It says, I tried the Japanese method of decluttering where you hold every object that you own, and if it does not bring you joy, you throw it away. And so far, I have thrown away all of the vegetables, my bra, the electric bill, the scale, a mirror, and my treadmill. <laughs> And this next one, I really like this. What if your kids don't spark joy? How do you get rid of them? <laughs> so obviously there are a few limitations 
to this method. But as a basic framework, I, I, I really like this. I think this could be helpful. And I really like this as a framework for our new sermon series that we're starting today. Today we're going to start a series called Decluttering Your Soul. Letting go of the stuff, the stuff that weighs us down. And we're going to talk about all kinds of things before this series is finished. Anxiety, anger, unforgiveness, just to name a few. Lots and lots of things. But today, before we begin the series, I think there are a couple of things that need to be established. And that's, that's what I want to spend my time doing today. Because we're in a bit of danger, honestly. In a bit of danger when we start a series like this. And, and you might think that's a strong word. You might think danger is a strong word. But let me explain to you what I mean when I say that. Whenever we talk about something that has to do with our faith and with behavior, there is a temptation to slip into a particular mindset. And it's almost automatic, I think. And even if you work really hard as a follower of Jesus, training your brain to think differently about behavior, um, it never stops pulling us in the other direction and back toward this kind of wrong perspective about this. Do you, do you know what I mean where it's, there's like this effort that you have to put into to, to focusing your mind to think about something from, from the right angle? So this is the mindset. The mindset is that when it comes to behavior, that what's on the outside is the most important part. The things that we can see, that other people can see, what's on the outside of us, that's the most important thing. And that's why Jesus had to um, counter that mindset even when he walked the, the earth. He, he said things to the Pharisees like, listen, um, you guys have your rule, you know, you're not supposed to sleep with other people's partners. And so that's your rule. But, but really, that's not enough. It's not enough that you just follow this rule and you check this box. See, what you need to understand that is that if you are turning your heart towards someone, if you are in a, a covenantal commitment with another person and your heart is turning in another direction, that's an indication of something that, that we need to look at. So it's, it's not just about what's on the outside. If there's something in our hearts, we need to be able to examine that and see what is going on. Because, listen, I don't want you to misunderstand me because there's another danger in the other direction. Does God care how we act? Does God care how we behave and how we treat other people? Of course he does. Of course, absolutely, that is true. Our outward behaviors do matter. I'm not saying they don't matter at all. But what we fail to understand is that most, most of the time we get this wrong when it comes to, we use the word holiness or righteousness or something like that. Um, God is this much concerned with our outward behavior and he is this much concerned with our heart. What's, what's inside. And it's kind of like this image of the iceberg in the water. 
right? What's visible on the surface there is this tiny, tiny fraction of the whole picture. And what's below the water that we can't see, that's really the substance of the iceberg. And so it is with our souls. So it is with our souls. And the thing is, as long as there have been human beings from the very beginning in the garden, the enemy of our souls, the devil, who is real, by the way, not fashionable in you know, today's culture to believe in, in those sorts of things, but we do around here. The devil has been trying to pull our attention back and keep us preoccupied with that tip of the iceberg, with that, with that this part instead of this part. Because if we spend all of our time trying to manage that outward behavior, if that's where we put our energy, if that's where we invest our, our efforts, we will not only be unsuccessful in achieving any kind of long-term transformation, but we will also miss out, miss out on the connection with the heart of God for us that, that wants us to live in freedom and wholeness, what he has available for us, what he wants to gift to us, because we are his beloved children. And he doesn't just kind of want to take our toys away. He wants us to be happy and healthy human beings. Another danger, if we spend all of our time focused on that tip of the iceberg, that outward behavior, if we spend all our time there, we can become arrogant we can become prideful and we can become judgmental and self-righteous toward other people because look, look at what my willpower has accomplished in my life and I don't do that thing that you do. I don't do that thing that you do. Your struggles and your sins look different than mine. At least I'm not like them. I think there's a parable in one of the Gospels about something to that effect as well. We check our boxes. We've got our list, and we check our boxes, and we call it good. And the problem with that is that my boxes and your boxes are different. The things that we think are, you know, the essentials. So then I, I come with my boxes. I try to impose my boxes on you. That's a problem. And it's a problem because, again, when we're focused on how much better we think we are than somebody else, then we're not, we're not focusing on the, uh, the chaos that's swirling around in our own soul just under the surface where no one can see. So we're going to try really hard, all of us, the, the teaching team, we're going to try really hard during this series to spend our time more on the underbelly of the iceberg talking about the true process of real, authentic transformation, authentic spirituality, how that process has worked out in our own lives and is still being worked out in our own lives, and how beautiful and kind Jesus has been to us through our own processes, how he has carefully and gently unwound the cords that keep us tethered to our brokenness and to our shame, to the things that aren't good for us. That's our end of the deal. That's what we're bringing to the table. 
through this series. And your end of the deal is that you have to be vigilant against that temptation to allow your brain, your mind, and your thoughts to be pulled back into that, that mindset, to allow your, your thoughts to camp out on that tip of the iceberg because that's not as much the point. This series is not 12 steps to a better you, how to finally get your crap together and get God off your back. That's not what we're trying to do here. And it's not, well, I don't have a problem with that, so I'm good. I don't want you to come next week and hear my husband tell you about his lifelong struggle with anger and rage and think, well, you know, I'm pretty chill, so I'm okay. Let me check that box. What we want to do through this series is we want to look at all of the nooks and the crannies of our souls in all of those closets and storage rooms and basements. And we want to pick up those things that are laying around and we want to hold them up to the light of Jesus love in the light of his gaze and we want to look at it really 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 look look at the things that are cluttering up our souls ask ourselves does this bring me joy does this thing bring me health in my life is it is it useful Is it serving me well? Those are the questions. Now with all of that in mind, with all of that in mind, hold that in mind, we're going to look at a passage of scripture in Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 17. And just while you're turning there, pulling that up on your device or whatever it is that you're doing. The heading of this section of scripture in the, in the NIV, you guys know headings weren't like really originally in the, in the Bible. You know, that was something we added to help us find our way, right? When Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians, it didn't have verse numbers and nice, neat summary headings. But I appreciate that because I... I can get distracted, but the title in the, in the NIV version of, of this section of scripture is Instructions for Christian Living. Paul is talking to the church in Ephesus, and he is reminding them of the invitation that they have as followers of Jesus to live differently, to live differently than those who don't know about Jesus. And this is one of the passages that I think, and maybe this is just my experience, but I, I, I rather think that some of you have probably had this experience as well. This is one of those passages that it's often read with a harsh tone, with angry eyebrows and pointing fingers and you know, even maybe a little bit of pulpit banging if you're in the sort of place that has a pulpit. I think we, I think we do have a pulpit somewhere in a closet but that's not really my style. I like the music stand because I, I fidget and I like to fidget with the music stand. Drive some people crazy, but anyway, no pulpit banging. I'm not that kind of girl. <sighs> no, no throwing, no, no finger pointing. 
This is not to be read with a harsh tone. This is to be read with, like I said, everything that we talked about before in mind. Here we go. Verse 17, Paul says, So, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must not, must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And Gentiles here, just, it just means people that are outside of faith. There were, there were people that were inside of faith and out. Gentiles just means people that didn't know. You know, they weren't, weren't religious. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And again, if we read this with a harsh tone, we hear a word like ignorance, and we think of the way that we sometimes use that word, where we're angry at someone, we say, you're so ignorant. But no, but pull your brain back into the heart of Father God for you, toward you, loving you, and here, ignorance means you just don't know. You don't know any better. You don't know. So the Gentiles don't understand what it is that they're being invited into. They just don't know the ignorance that is in them. Having lost all sensitivity, given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So listen, Paul is saying... There is a difference between a life lived with God and a life lived without God. And this is some of what is different. It is not a matter of our value. It is not a matter of being loved. It is not a matter of whether or not God will help us, is for us, any of those things. But a soft heart a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, that requires an openness. Those are some of the things that we have access to as followers of Jesus. They're they're like a gift. And God holds out this gift to everyone. It's It's not something that he picks and chooses. He loves us all. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. But it's like some sometimes in all of our lives and, and some of us for greater chunks of our lives, we, we leave that gift sitting on the table unwrapped. And so just because we have the opportunity to open the gift doesn't mean that we have. It doesn't mean that we've opened it and we've taken advantage of the benefit of what we have when we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit. Does, does that make sense? We're no better off than someone who doesn't know Jesus at all if we don't take advantage. And Paul, this is what Paul is saying. I insist in the Lord that open the gift. Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit. Open your heart to be sensitive to the invitation that is here. He goes on in verse 20 to say that, that, however, is not, that is not the way of life that you learned When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Here's what you were taught. Here's what we know. 
You were taught with with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God. in true righteousness and holiness. Not self-righteousness and holiness, not American evangelical Christianity righteousness and holiness, to be like God with true righteousness and holiness. That's what God is holding out, the opportunity. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. And listen, this doesn't mean who you are as a person. Because God made you who you are as a person. And this isn't about you're awful and you're evil and and you need to completely... um, change everything about your personality and everything that you love and you have to, you know, when, when my daughter was growing up and she was, you know, I don't know, six or something like that, and she'd always say, you know, she'd ask me if she could do something and if I had to say no, she'd, she'd say, why? Why can't I do that? And I'd say, because I'm mean and I'm horrible and I don't want you to have any fun. She'd say, oh, mom, <laughs> no, you're not. It's not who you are that you put off. The imagery, the the picture that is in this passage of scripture, it is like taking off an item of clothing. Shedding, Shedding a layer of something that's covering you. Like a robe or a coat. Something like that. You know, you slide one arm out and then you slide the other out and kind of peel away that layer, and set it aside. And then, and then dressing up in something else. Putting, putting something else on, wrapping up in that, and you know, pulling it tightly around yourself. What Jesus is offering us is a new wardrobe. A new wardrobe. And I think, isn't that a great analogy when we're talking about decluttering our souls? I find this so helpful because we've all got clothes that you know are old and they don't fit they have stains went out of style whatever cluttering up our closet i, I mean i do i don't I, maybe i'm projecting but i why don't i deal with that stuff why does it why does it sit in my closet i mean how many painting shirts do i need do i need 50 painting shirts things i can't wear out of the house cuz i you know spilled Bacon grease down the front of them while I was cooking breakfast and stuff like that. And that, that junk is in my closet. I, there's lots of reasons why things linger in my literal, physical nooks and crannies. But most of the time, it just it gets put off because it seems like it's going to be a lot of work. But here's what happens eventually. On one of those rare weekends when I get all of the laundry done, 
You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, that maybe it happens like twice a year when like I get all of the laundry done and, and you know, except for maybe what I've got on and I'm contemplating throwing that in there because it just like one time I would like for there to be no dirty items of clothing in my house. It's something like a lunar eclipse or something. But when that happens, I go, to, I go to hang up stuff and put it into the drawers and here's what I figure out. It doesn't all fit. If everything is clean at the same time, it doesn't all fit in, in the places where it is supposed to go. There aren't enough hangers in the closet. There's not enough room in the drawer. So that old junky stuff is actually in the way of things that I actually use and I actually love and I actually put on and wear and use. That other crap is in the way, crowding it out. And it is the same thing with our souls. The same thing. There, there are things that are not serving us well. And, and that's just the reality. It's not, don't hear judgment in my words. It's just the reality of living in a fallen world and being people, as Bob said earlier, that, that have broken hearts. There are things that are not serving us well. All of us. Anger, unforgiveness, selfishness, materialism, anxiety, addictions, judgment, fear, apathy. I mean, I could just go on and on and on. This stuff clutters up our lives. And it it weighs us down and it takes up space that God wants to fill with good things. To take off the old self. To take off that outer layer and put on the new. That's the invitation that we have. The invitation is is a standing invitation. And that's part of what it means to follow Jesus. Be continually over a lifetime transformed more and more into his likeness. Take off the old self, put on the new. Rinse and repeat, because there's always going to be something else. But that's part of the adventure. It's part of the adventure. So here's what I want you to do. As I've been speaking, I'm sure that the Holy Spirit has already been speaking to some of you. Some of you already have a thing in your mind. You're already thinking about that particular piece of clothing that you're ready to let go of. But I want to pause here and I just want to make some space because God knows there is a deficit of space and silence. I would, I would bet real money in all of our lives. And so I'm going to make some space here this morning. Just a few moments. Don't get nervous. Just a few moments, but it may feel uncomfortable because I'm going to be silent for just a few moments. And if you don't know already, if there's not already something in your mind, I want you to ask God. 
want you to ask him, God, what is cluttering up my heart and my soul that you want to free me from? You can close your eyes if that's helpful. You don't have to do that. It just helps us with distractions. You don't have to worry about the clock because I'm the one that's going to watch that and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us just a few moments here of silence for you to connect with God. All right, have we got some things? Have you got something in mind? I want you to imagine that you're holding a box. Just try to picture this in your mind, that you're holding a box and inside the box is the thing. might be like a little jewelry box, might be a shoe box, might be bigger than that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how deep this thing goes for you. I don't know how long you've been attached to it. But imagine that box. You're holding this box with that thing in it. I want you to feel the weight of it. how heavy it is. Feel, feel the burden. Really, really look. Look at the thing. Look at it. Eyes wide open. And ask yourself, Has this thing brought me joy? Has it brought me life? And if the answer is no, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. So when you're ready, I want you to imagine dumping the box.
turning it over and letting that thing either slide out. Might be a little bit more violent in your imagination, flinging something away from you. It's sliding out, it's, it's dumping out of the box into the trash, the donation box, maybe a fire. I don't know, but it's gone. It's gone. You are no longer carrying that thing. The box is empty now. It's empty. It's light. Feel that. Feel that the same way that you felt the weight and the burden. Feel the lightness of the box, how easy that is to carry that open space. It's open, it's, it's available for God to fill with good things, with fresh things, with new things and beautiful things. The things that he wants to give you that will serve you well. That will support the freedom, the acceptance the wholeness, the health, the joy that the God who fiercely loves you has wanted you to have all along. This is what he always meant for you. Let's pray.